Thank you, Betty. That's Danny, sir. Danny, I'm going to give you a little advice. There's a force in the universe that makes things happen. And all you have to do is get in touch with it. Stop thinking. Let things happen. And be the ball. I enjoy skinny skiing, bullfights on acid. What a weird, that's not one of the biggest quotes from, from these movies, but it's such a weird one. The farthest thing from one, yeah. A classic sports comedy and a sequel that's more like a parody of the first movie rather than a sequel. This is the Pool Scene Podcast, and as pool sceners may have caught on by now, our 10th and final episode of each season is The Deep End where we will cover not one, but two movies or more. Usually a movie and its sequel or sequels, but it could also be two movies that are linked in some way. Like if we hadn't done Armageddon as our first episode, we could have covered Armageddon versus Deep Impact. That'd be great if there was a movie that was Armageddon versus Deep Impact. <laughs> it's Asteroid versus Asteroid. Uh, I don't know who is Armageddon and who is the Deep Impact of this podcast, but I'm Kevin, joined by Jim. I am um, Deep Impact. What's up? I actually hit and caused damage. That would be a great nickname. Deep Impact and Armageddon. Hey, we're going out tonight. Guess who's coming? <laughs> Deep Impact. Imagine for next season, we don't call ourselves Kevin and Jim anymore. We're just Armageddon and Deep Impact. Oh my God. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Deep Impact. Uh, Armageddon. <laughs> the Deep End also means two pool checks. And we've got two very solid ones. Jim, I'm curious to see how our lists differ and whether there's any crossover. But that's for later. The Deep End, uh, we will be talking about 1980's Caddyshack and 1988's Caddyshack 2. They couldn't have been farther away in years and farther away in logic. Not a coincidence that we're talking Caddyshack following the Masters, golf's biggest event. Great tournament, man. Congratulations to Hideki Matsuyama. Caddyshack was directed by Harold Ramis, who has been mentioned on this show many, many times. The film is inspired by writer and co-star Brian Doyle Murray's experience as a caddy at a club. Bill Murray's brother. And his brothers Bill and John were also caddies. So was director Harold Ramis as a teenager. It's weird. It's just like, hey, they bonded over. They were all caddies. Yeah, the stars aligned. Yeah, a lot of the movie scenes were pulled from actual events that happened during their time as caddies. And many of the characters are based on or influenced by real people. The movie's loaded cast contributed to its huge success. And a very fun note is that this is the only movie where Chevy Chase and Bill Murray appeared together on screen. Isn't that crazy? They hated each Throughout other. Throughout the whole 80s. Yeah, they hated they just each did other. They not get along. Originally, when the script was written, they weren't going to interact, but they kind of like wrote a scene on the fly for them to interact with each other. Well, we always hear stories and more came out after uh, what was the name of that show? Joel McHale. Why Community? Am I? Community. Thank you. You hear all these stories that came out about Community and how he was such a fucking hard, yeah. difficult person to work with. Makes perfect sense that oh, when you go back. There's a lot of stories about Caddyshack too, where, oh. uh, you know, when he showed up for Cat, because he was pretty much the only person to return and it's because they paid him like a million plus dollars and he basically was going to film all the scenes in like one day he sank it into his outfit and an earring well the director alan arkish who did rock and roll high school yeah he basically asked chevy chase he was like uh, how do you want to set up this scene which he was being nice because chevy chase is this legend 
And he was just being nice, asking Chevy for some feedback. I guess Chevy like threw his hands up and was like, well, don't you know, you're the director and like got all pissed at him. Can you imagine having to work with somebody like that and with him being a legend, you don't want to strike him down because it might screw you over for your future movies. So apparently this movie, I don't know if you call this a fun note, but is that this movie was famous for rampant drug use. Oh, there was a ton of it. One of the actors said that cocaine was the fuel that kept the film running. Excellent, man. Thank you for the cocaine bumps there, man. Yeah. And then there's Caddyshack 2, again, directed by Alan Arkish, who directed Rock and Roll High School. Which they needed cocaine to get through. Jesus yes. Christ. Like, I seriously don't know where to start. Rodney Dangerfield was interested, wanted to sign on, because if you remember Rodney Dangerfield, He's like the only Hollywood actor who didn't get his break until he was like 60 because he didn't have a career prior. He just was like, he broke into Hollywood at like 60 years old. So he wanted to do everything he could. But even Rodney had a ceiling of like 1986. Yeah. Rodney was interested in returning, but yet eventually was still replaced by Jackie Mason doing a Rodney Dangerfield impersonation. Oh my God. Jackie Mason was horrible. Although he's a different character. Uh, <clears throat> Daddy, I'd like you to meet my friend Miffy. Miffy? <laughs> Miffy, that's a cute name. I knew a girl in school once. We called her Muffy. <laughs> Probably for different reasons. Chevy Chase again came back, although he regretted it. Yeah, cartooning. I'd like you to meet some of the oldest and most respected members of the club. Mr. Uh, Forreston. Forrester. Forrester. And uh, Mr. Krabs. And Mr. Uh, Wrinkle. That's Winkler. Winkler. And Mr. Uh, or is it Mrs.? Jameson. Jameson, that's right. This is James. Kenny Loggins came back for the soundtrack and they replaced the gopher from the first movie with a talking animatronic horny gopher. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about as we progress. Oh, we got a ton. Thinking about Rodney Dangerfield and the research I did, I didn't write this down, but he sued this movie. He sued Caddyshack 2 because he signed on and then pulled out and he sued to basically get out of his contract and they had to settle in like out of court at an undisclosed amount. I mean, that's destroying my life. No respect. I don't got no respect at all. I wonder how much that took out of the budget for that movie. I don't know. But uh, why don't we keep things good? We'll talk about the first yeah. movie. We'll get positive. We'll, we'll talk about the first movie before we get to the second. But Jim, let us know about budget box office and uh, what was going on at the time of release of Caddyshack. We're kicking off the 1980s, everybody. July 25th of 1980. Caddyshack, the first, had a budget of just $4.8 million. Yeah. Nice, meager budget. Basically filmed it all at a country club golf course. Most country club golf courses, especially around here in Northeast Ohio, you could tell they were all built around the same time and basically the same golf course. Yeah. No challenge, but it made 60 million dollars wait till That's you hear polar opposite of two was it's <laughs> crazy our neighbors to the north kevin oh canada officially becomes the national anthem of canada in 1980 wow what was the national anthem before i have no idea it wasn't oh canada it could have been we could have been canada or <laughs> brian adams pre brian adams bigness could have been the summer of 68 his prequel to summer of 69 i bet you all didn't know about that now you do but another amazing thing kevin and i have talked about how we're big police academy fans huge police academy fans specifically police academy 5 which we will be covering mm -hmm. down the road however sean weatherly was crowned the 29th miss universe she started Police Academy 3. Oh, okay. She was the blonde yeah. in Police Academy. She was the blonde. The, well, the, the sex interest, the yes. hottie in that movie. Not Leslie Easterbrook. 
Oh, I could tell some stories about Leslie. Billy Carter, everybody's favorite brother of a former president of the United States, Jimmy Carter, Billy Beer, registers as a foreign agent of the living government after it was revealed they paid him hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, okay. So he was a covert sure. act. They probably funded Billy Beer. Cool. And that beer basically was a terrorist action in your mouth. <laughs> and <laughs> that's a. I bet you somebody has said that during a sexual, you know, yeah, they're interlude. playing, and they said, "I want to, I want to invade your mouth cave with a <laughs> terrorist act." Here comes the explosion. Speaking of explosions of American politics, Ronald Reagan was nominated by the Republican Party when there was a Republican Party for President of the United States in Detroit. Robocop Fra- was there. He uh, Reagan actually conceived. Uh, ED209. Yeah, o- OCP was a big donor to Reagan. It makes perfect sense now you think about it. Live from heaven, what up, George? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to the Sports Machine. All right, another big Cleveland highlight in the sports, which I think is phenomenal. The biggest MLB crowd in seven years. 73,096 fans cram into the old municipal stadium as the Indians beat the Yankees 7 to nothing. Now, Kevin and I have talked about the amazing things at Municipal Stadium, the bathrooms, the toilet never flush. Trough, yeah. They always put you in front of a giant pillar, mm-hmm. but then they told you, yeah, you sit wherever you There's want. There's a steel you, beam in front of you. Say what you want about that stadium. You could watch an Indians game for five bucks, sit wherever you want. Everything was cheap. Piss anywhere you want. Real quick, what's your leader in the clubhouse for new Cleveland Indians team mascot name? I say, go back, go Spiders. I like the Municipals. Okay, I like that. The Munis? Yeah, why Cleveland not? Municipals? Can they make the mascot the actual Let's design of the stadium? Beam. Let's make it a steel beam. I would love it. Or just a fucking trough just overloading a, an piss. overloading piss trough. <laughs> the 22nd Summer Olympic Games were opened in Moscow. Unfortunately, the United States led the boycott of the Summer Olympic Games due to the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan the year prior, 1979. Speaking of golf, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Tom Watson won the British Open at Muirfield Village, winning his third of five open titles by four strokes from fellow American Lee Trevino. And Kevin, got some excitement for you. The number one song in America. Number one. Billy Joel, it's still rock and roll to me. Still rock and roll to me. The number one song you hated the most from the 80s, yes. or you said pleasantly disliked. Yes. When I was editing that episode last week, I probably laughed my ass off every time you mentioned another <laughs> Billy Joel song. All Billy, but, you know, a, a correction. I picked all Billy Joel songs, but I really dislike Bad English when I see you smile. And the number one movie in America, The Empire Strikes Back, which has probably the most iconic line in all of movie history. I... I am your father. I am your father. That was that was odd. Did you like that? <laughs> that I tried cool. to go over the top of it. it it's gonna be it's uh, a day. <laughs> Chocolate Luke, rain. Luke, I am your father. Luke, I am your father. Uh, on the day, and that I, was all that was going on on July twenty fifth, nineteen eighty. I was gonna try and think of something snarky to replace with the uh, Empire Strikes Back, but I couldn't think of another movie quote. Would so. you say that's probably my favorite Star Wars movie? Is Empire. Mine is Last Jedi, but okay. then Empire. Yeah. I wish it would. he would have said, Luke, the rug really tied the room together. 
So he uh, fucking pissed on your rug, Darth. Mark it a zero. <laughs> Let's take a swing at the plot of Caddyshack. Let's do it. The movie revolves around Bushwood Country Club. Danny Noonan is a caddy trying to earn money for college. Noonan! Danny caddies for Ty Webb, who is sort of an oddball. He's the son of Bushwood's founders, of one of Bushwood's founders, I should say. And you could tell he just does not give a shit about no. life. He just shows up, does what he it's wants, fantastic. leaves. fantastic. That's the life I want. Excellent. Danny tries to brown nose Judge Smales. I've always been fascinated with the law, sir. Oh, really? What areas? Oh, all areas. Personal privacy, noise statutes. You know, I, I plan to go to law school after I graduated, but... Uh, Looks like my folks won't have enough money to put me through college. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. Who is... He's... Another co-founder is, it's a little unclear to me, but he was very good friends with his, uh, Ty Webb's father. Gotcha. So judge Smales is the director of the club's scholarship program. And that fucking laugh of his, Oh, there's a subplot with the groundskeeper, Carl Spackler, who tries to rid the course (laughs) of a gopher. I want you to kill every gopher on the course. Check me if I'm wrong, Sandy, but if I kill all the golfers, they're going to lock me up and throw away the key. Golfers! You're Greek, kid, not golfers! The little brown furry rodents! We can do that. Why? We don't even have to have a reason. Do it, man! All right, let's do the same thing, but with gophers. There's another sort of subplot with Al Zervik, who is new money, and he's the uh, the highbrow members of the club kind of look down on him. This is Roddy Dangerfield. I think this place is restricted, Wang, so don't tell me you're Jewish. Okay, fine. Hey, kid, I'm Al Zervik. I'm playing with Drew Scott today. This is my guest, Mr. Wang. No offense. Oh, I can give me have a half of those, those Vulcan D10s and set my friend up here with the whole schmear. You know, clubs, bags, shoes, gloves, shirt, pants... Hey, orange balls, I'll have a box of those. Give me a box of those naked lady tees and give me two of those. Give me six of those. Oh, this is the worst looking hat I ever saw. Well, you buy a hat like this, I'll bet you get a free bowl of soup, huh? Oh, it looks good on you, though. Yep, and, it, and what you said is perfect. New money, that's why they frowned yes. upon him. He's the middle-class guy that made it big. Yes. Then, uh, somewhere in here, Danny wins the caddy tournament. He secures the inside track to the scholarship, but then the tension between Smales and Zervik lead to a high wager golf match, which keeps growing and growing. I think it goes from like 10,000 to 20,000. I think by the end, it's like $80,000 is on the line. And then there was also 80,000 people that showed up to watch this happen. So there's the the high wager golf match between Zervik with his partner, Ty Webb, and Smales with his partner, Dr. Beeper. (laughs) At the match, Zervik's playing terribly and fakes an injury to get out of the match. Oh, my arm. It's broken. Good Lord. What has this buffoon done now? Let's have a look at that. Well, that might be a fractured owner. Uh, I'm afraid you forfeit. Who says so? The match is a draw. No, you don't, Chernick. You don't play it, you lose, right, Lou? That's right, Your Honor, unless you want to allow him a substitute. Ty chooses Danny as his replacement partner. Smales threatens to revoke Danny's scholarship, but Zervik says if Danny wins, it'll be worth losing the scholarship. Yes. After Smales shoots a birdie on the final hole, Danny puts the potential winning shot to where the ball is hanging on the edge of the hole, on the edge of the cup, and then a detonation from Carl trying to blow up the gopher causes the ball to fall in the hole, thus securing victory for Danny, Zervik, and Ty. The movie ends with a party at the clubhouse and the gopher dancing. (laughs) Hey, we're all going to get laid. That's the best. Characters, top build, Chevy Chase as Ty Webb, Rodney Dangerfield as Al Zervik, Ted Knight as Judge Smales, and he's like underrated in this. Uh, Ted Knight is amazing. Because he says, well, we're waiting. 
Well, we're waiting. waiting. It's one of those great gifts of all yes. time. Michael O'Keefe as Danny Noonan, Bill Murray as Carl Spackler, Jim's favorite, Sarah Holcomb. Is it Maggie O'Houlihan, I think? We're tanks for nothing. Hey, tanks for nothing. <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> That's ridiculous. A whole bunch of other people. I'm not going to get into it and take the time, but you pretty much have the entire Murray families in this movie. Except John. Except John. Except John. I can only name one movie he was in, Moving Violations, which was a very underratedly great movie. John Murray, I guess there's like a whole group of people. You know, there's always like four or five. They get their license suspended. They have to go to traffic school and they all bond and they go on some sort of weird adventure. I want to watch that movie. It's really good. Best scenes. Let's just jump right in and talk about them. Uh, oh, there's Ooh, so many. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Gunga. 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 The Dalai Lama himself. The 12th son of the Lama. The flowing robes. The grace. Bald. <sighs> Striking. So I'm on a first tee with him. I give him the driver. He hauls off and whacks one. Big hitter, the Lama. Long. Into a 10,000-foot crevice right at the base of this glacier. Do you know what the Lama says? No. Gunga Galunga. Gunga Gunga la Gunga. Where he talks about Carl, that is. Yeah. How he met the Dalai, the Dalai Lama. He bonded with the Dalai Lama <laughs> over golf, and he achieved pure consciousness yeah be- it's so good and the kid is just standing there looking at him with his face like what the fuck are you talking about man so i i'll piggyback off of that not my first best scene but just something i'll mention which is this is when harold ramus used to let bill murray improvise an entirely improvised scene is carl hitting the flowers <laughs> and pretending to win the masters uh, she's in the hole yeah 195 yards left and he's gonna looks like he's got about an eight this crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! Cinderella story. <laughs> I just, I would love to have just been a fly on the wall on yeah. that set. Everybody's like, hey, Harold, what is he going to do? We're just going to sit back and watch what he does. Holy shit, was uh, that amazing. So my first best scene, I love it. It also involves Carl. It's the all-time golf round played in the thunderstorm. Now, funny you think, huh? I keep playing. I don't think the heavy stuff's going to come down for quite a while. You're right. Anyway, the good Lord would never disrupt the best game of my life. Oh, it's the one best. of the, one of the members of the club is like, you think I can get some holes in? And it's obviously like about to downpour. So dude goes out like in a monsoon with Carl as his caddy. It's a hurricane. Carl, who's the groundskeeper <laughs> is this guy's caddy. And Carl's like, oh, I think we still got some time before the, the heavy he, stuff. goes. He's in. encouraging him. Yes. And the guy's having the round of his life. Yeah. I mean, he's he's hitting all kinds of shots and he it all ends. He gets struck by lightning. Yeah. At, as he's about ready to put a putt down for like the best round ever, yeah. God strikes him dead. <laughs> and what does Carl do? Drops a bag, runs. Yep. <laughs> Just leaves him for yep. dead. Okay, so my next one, Kevin, and we have some history with this next one from another movie. Caddy Day at the Pool, which yeah. is like 15 minutes long. That's all they also. get. Oh, No big deal. Oh. I mean, somebody shit in a pool, supposedly, because Judge Smales' grandson, who's the dunce of the yes. the dunce of everybody. 
notices that looks like a shit log going through. Everybody's staring at Lacey, who's the hot debonair girl. You know, she smokes drugs and all this cool stuff. So everybody's having the catty day. Well, it's funny because the dude gets up to like challenge and threaten Danny. He's like, stand up. The stereotypical Italian guy. Yeah, the Italian guy, and they're having a face off. Oh, what you fucking know, Denunzio? All right, stand up. All right. Okay. Oh. Ah, she's incredible. But then when Lacey walks, they just stop their beef and stare at her. Well, it's not just those two. Everybody stops. Yeah, it's everybody. It's all the the, the fat kids in the pool start sucking in their guts. Oh, it's it's great. great. But however, there is, it looks like a log of shit floating. Well, I mean, how can we talk about a a movie with a pool scene and not mention the pool? We are the pool scene podcast. Exactly. So yeah, it's basically caddies get to take over the pool for X amount of time. Despite, is it? It's 15 minutes. Smells his wife. That's so pissed. Oh, she's over the top. She's yelling at them. But yeah, somebody throws a candy bar in the pool (laughs) and everyone believes the candy bar to be poop. The the payoff with this, the (laughs) follow-up is that... They drain the pool to fully sterilize it. And that takes hours it to takes do. It takes hours, and it's like hazmat suits. And when they finally have the pool drained, Carl sees what is believed to be poop. He picks it up and eats it, <laughs> causing like the people to just like... It's okay. Yeah, nag <laughs> and pass out. It was a baby Ruth. Yes, it was a baby Ruth. Ah, oh, so good. I mean, that's that pretty... I, honestly, there's a ton of great scenes, but that pretty much covers mine. I mean, we I think we had the same ones in this case. I mean, real quickly, we have the... Yeah. And when him... He's trying to teach Danny how to putt, and he's coming up with these big stories, and he talks about his one roommate in college. Like, Danny would know who he is. He's like, what do you want to go to college for, Danny? I don't know. Let me tell you a little story. I once knew a guy who could have been a great golfer. Could have gone pro. All I needed was a little time to practice. Decided to go to college instead. Four years. He did pretty well. At the end of his four years, it was the last semester, he was kicked out. You know what for? He was night putting. Just putting at night. The 15-year-old daughter of the dean. <laughs> you know who that guy was, Danny? No. Take one good guess. Bob Hope. <laughs> no, no. No, that guy was Mitch Comstein. My roommate. It's a good guy. Take a guess who it was. And Danny's like, Bob Hope. And Ty goes, no, <laughs> it was Mitch Cumstein. It's my, like, <laughs> it was my roommate, Mitch Cumstein. <laughs> I love that. How the hell would you know? And then, of course, Ty playing through Carl's shed. Ty Liz? That's it. Yeah, it's right here. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? It's really, uh, it's really awful. People say, you know, I'm an idiot or something because all he is cutting lines for a living, you know? Oh, people don't say that about you, as far as you know. I invented my own kind of grass, too. Did you know that? Look at this. This is registered. Carl Spackler Bench. Oh, yeah. I've felt grass like this before. I've played on this. This is a hybrid. This is a cross, uh, uh, bluegrass, Kentucky bluegrass uh, featherbed bench and uh, Northern California sensimia. The amazing stuff about this is that you can play 36 holes on it in the afternoon, take it home and just get stoned in a bejesus belt, that night on stuff. And they smoked that big thing of oh, weed. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's the great. That's the improvised scene that they yeah. decided that they would put together because they didn't have a scene together. And Harold Ramis was like, and the cool thing is at that time, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase, despite disliking each other, dude, you couldn't tell on screen. They decided, like, they were able to be professional and just put aside their differences. I wonder what was the beef? Was it just they were just two guys on top of their game and it was just that natural rivalry where they didn't want one upstage in the other? I guess so. It's a, it's a fucking dick length contest, yeah, I guess. Basically, I mean, they 
were on SNL together. Yeah. And yeah, I guess that was it. So any any other scenes you want to mention? Oh, no. We're good with that, buddy. There's All so right. many. We can't just narrow it down. Well, as we said before, not one, but two pool checks this week. That's right. So why don't we get everyone out of the pool for the first pool check? I was born to love you. I was born to lick your face. I was born to rub you. But you were born to rub me first. All right, for pool check number one, now obviously Caddyshack, Kenny Loggins. Oh my God. Was a big one. So we decided for this movie, we would do best songs from movie soundtracks. And this was Kenny Loggins' first soundtrack song. Yes. Like he had groups in the 70s, you know, Loggins and Messina. He worked with Michael McDonald, but this was his first ever song was I'm All Right from the Caddyshack soundtrack. Yeah, definitely launched one of of many, many, many soundtrack songs. The amount I would love to have seen the amount of money he made on just soundtrack songs alone. So my God, honestly, Kenny Loggins doing this movie soundtrack probably is responsible for every other song we're about to mention because movie soundtracks probably wouldn't be a big thing. I agree without that song. So So, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? My number five is from the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves soundtrack. Brian Adams, everything I do, I do it for you. play this it's so many weddings it's such a great slow song but what a lot of people forget is the radio version it's only like four and a half minutes long yeah there was a whole massive refrain that goes on for another two minutes where it's just instrumentals yeah but this song is just i like the uh newfound glory song on the first from your screen to your stereo you know what that is such an underrated like punk cover album that Mm -hmm. people don't give it a lot of credit for yep my number five is very very late in the soundtrack entry so somewhere along the way movie soundtracks kind of just stopped being a thing like I know a couple years ago for the, was it into the Spider-Verse, like Post Malone did a song. Oh, uh, yeah, Sunflower. Yeah, and like you still have some, but not like when we were kids. But like, like Sunflower was already established. Yeah. yeah, like when we were kids, the soundtracks were equally as big as the movie. Like but I can remember. It tied you into a certain scene from it, that movie. It did, but so soundtracks have basically stopped, except for one franchise that will forever be linked when a new movie comes out, who's going to do the, the title and like, what's it going to be? I have Adele Skyfall. Such a great song, dude. So from the Bond movie Skyfall, and then I think the next Bond movie after that they had, was it Sam Smith yes. do the song? And just Spectre. always, yeah, Spectre. And then they always have, you know, they had Shirley Bassey. They had um, when Carly Simon, No One Does It Better. Like all these songs that are linked to Bond movies, but Adele's Skyfall, Adele's fantastic. So it was really great. And it, it's cool to look forward to when a Bond movie comes out because that's that's one of the things is who's going to do the soundtrack? Exactly. I mean, come on. You couldn't get better than, especially the aughts into the 2010s. It was Adele. Yeah. My number four. I mean, does it really get any bigger than Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go yes. On?
Oh my God, that song. Talk about a juggernaut of a song. Because a lot of people, I would put this song in, like we talked about Deep Impact Armageddon. I would put My Heart Will Go On, I Will Always Love You on that same tier of just like, yeah. wow. I At one point in time, I had this as my number one. On, because I was like, this song was equally as big as the movie. And the movie was like a thing where people were seeing this 10 times. Yes. But I remember, and the song is still like being used in memes. People put the, the song in video, like just insane how big this song was. Oh, beyond big. My number four, everybody get up. It's time to slam now. We got a real thing going on. Welcome to the Space Jam. Oh, It's okay. your chance. Do your dance at the Space Jam. Come on. Come on and slam. It's Quad City DJs, a song that could not exist on its own. Anytime you get a song where the lyrics are about the song, because you've got the guy going, come on and slam if you want to jam. And it's just, it's so, this song would not work independently. It, it, you could not write a song with lyrics about a movie. It's just, I like that. I like yeah. when whoever writes the song for soundtracks, like what's the movie about? We're doing that rather than like, like even like skyfall, like my heart will go on. It's a perfect example. Yes. Because we already mentioned it. That song could have been released independently and no one would have known it was about Titanic. It could have just been a good song, but like quad city DJ space jam is called space jam. And the lyrics have to do with the movie. Yes. My number three, I've mentioned it before in previous pool checks, but I have to, I would be very wrong if I did not mention it before. Goonies are good enough by yeah. Cindy Lauper. That's a good one. Come on, man. It's just such like I told you in a previous pool check, like I can just close my eyes and I hear that song and I kind of want to go look for one eye Willie's rich stuff. Yes. It, even though, again, we, we mentioned it before, this movie's in the, the song's in the movie for like 10 seconds. That's it. But and it's great. It's, it's, it's another one. weird. You can't release a song called Goonies are good enough. That's not linked to a movie. Exactly. So anytime you get that, it's awesome for me. My number three, a song that sounds like a parody because it was one of it, it's Robert Tepper, No Easy Way Out oh. from Rocky Four. There's no easy way out. There's no There's no easy way out. Okay, let's establish Rocky Four is a montage movie. That's all it yes. is. And it's an amazing montage right. movie. Right. And this, it sounds like a Matt Stone, Trey Parker song. Oh, it I is. mean, I don't, I don't know if it's more credit to them for being able to write, to nail everything on the head so closely. Tepper's affect in his voice. Uh, where he's his, like, you know how I feel in shade. Yeah. It's just, just like Matt Stone. And, and he's doing like this spin dancing with the trench coat and the video. He looks like Tommy Wiseau. But the way they promoted it within the movie, you just have... Balboa going out on a yeah. drive. Apollo just died. Yeah. He's in his Lambo and he just sees these flashbacks of Apollo dying and falling in his arms. If yeah. he dies, he dies. It's like, holy shit, this is awesome. Speaking of awesome, number two from one of Kevin and I's favorite movies, it's over the top. It's Kenny Loggins yeah. himself. It's Meet Me Halfway.
Yeah, and you have Meet Me Halfway, which I listened to at work today. Dude, every time I hear that song, I want to grab like a pole or the front of a truck and just do pulls. I, yeah, I want to install weightlifting equipment into my vehicle. <laughs> every time we watch that movie, shout out to the truck drivers out there. We know how hard of a job you have. Thank you very much. Full disclosure, I didn't put, there's another great song on the soundtrack, which is Winner Takes It All by Sammy yes. Hager, which I've talked about at length before, so I didn't put it on my list, but. And Take Me Hires on that one yeah, too. Yeah, I love it. Now, Jim, I'm going to be really disappointed if we get to number one and you don't have what I think you've got at number one, but we'll see. Okay. My number two for now, I Believe I Can Fly, R. Kelly. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Think about it every night and day. Spread my wings and fly away. Yes. Written again for Space Jam. Space Jam, 1996, just like loaded soundtrack. I still have never seen this movie. You don't need to. It's <laughs> Thank not, God. It's not really, doesn't really hold up. Oh, only, Space Jam 2 is about part to come out. of uh, Space Jam that still like, gives me chills for some reason. Spoiler, Michael Jordan returns from the alien planet. He lands a spaceship onto the baseball field where he's about to play for the Birmingham Barons and everybody in the crowd and all the, the minor league baseball players come out. Wayne Knight comes out of the spaceship first, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Jordan. (laughs) And it's just like, I don't know what it is. Like Michael comes out of the spaceship and Bill Murray's in it. And then he comes out of basketball retirement and he wears number 45. That's such a weird period. And is after his dad just died, he just wanted to get away and yeah. play baseball, which he wasn't that great at. My number one. Number one. Cue up rad, everybody. It's time for that bicycle boogie. Send me an angel. Send me an angel. Before I did Thunder in Your Heart, I covered out another pool check. You automatically hear the song, but it's the original version from 87. Because yeah. when we cover the wizard, they played the 89 version. Yeah. It's not the same version. Of so this is not what I thought your number one would be. Really? I thought it would be Van Halen Humans Being. Oh, I didn't even put it on the list. I forgot. Yeah. Thought it'd be. Sorry, Corey Hayes. Twister Van Halen Humans Being. Oh, every time I hear that song, I just want to go to Oklahoma and hunt a twister. <laughs> like hunt one. I love that song. That song's so funny. It makes me think of Philip Seymour Hoffman, though. The Barn Burner. It's my number one. Number one. Is from the Batman Forever soundtrack. It's Seal Kiss from a Rose. a formative age when Batman Forever came out and it was so like Joel Schumacher who we talked about with the Lost Boys which was one of my favorite episodes of this podcast yes I agree but the marketing I remember the Batman Forever cups you could get yeah the glasses from McDonald's yeah the McDonald's glasses and just everything about Batman Forever but Kiss from a Rose nipple suit 
fantastic. I've mentioned this on previous podcasts too. This also the soundtrack had "Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss yes, Me, Kill Me," too. the only U two song I've ever liked. Uh, quick honorable mentions: I will always love you. The Bodyguard soundtrack, yep. Whitney Houston. Don't you forget about me. Breakfast Club, uh, Maniac from Flashdance. Oh, that's another great one. Um, Anything for Dirty Dancing. Yes. Don't want to miss a thing. Armageddon. <laughs> we had to get our Aerosmith in. Yeah. Danger Zone, which was another Kenny Loggins. Technically, would you count the song Beer by Real Big Fish from Basketball in the movie soundtrack thing? It wasn't like written for the movie. No. But yeah, sort okay. of. I mean, the same way, like, there's a bunch of, I can think of a bunch of songs that are used in movies that I'm like, on a, like, it's forever linked to Okay, Weird Science, Oingo Boingo. Yeah. Or Oingo, there's another band that was in a ton of great 80s yeah. movies, yeah. Oingo Boingo. Yep. Yeah. Danny Elfman. Yep. Somewhere over the rainbow, Wizard of Oz. Maybe the first. The like, first. Or Sound of Music would be up there too. Yeah. Yeah. Unchained Melody from Ghost. There's another one. Not written for the movie, but the use of that song in the movie when they're about to fuck on the uh, pottery wheel. No, no, no. Rita Miller. Berlin. Take My Breath Away. Yeah. Uh, the song that brought down the band Berlin. A couple weird ones. Adam's Family Rap, MC Hammer. Oh, it's such a great song. And the Ninja Rap from, what is that, Turtles 2. That's Turtles 2. With Vanilla Ice. Also, real quickly, I want to mention uh, Iron Eagle, King Cobra. That's who it was by. Joe Esposito, you're the best. Yes. Karate Kid. Joe Bean Esposito. That's right, which is so weird. I don't it's on Spotify. Yeah, on Spotify. Joe Bean Esposito. And speaking of one of our favorite episodes that we did last week, how can we not put Tim Capello? That song is a soundtrack song. That or that <laughs> Blind Boys Don't Cry song. Oh, God, it's so, so good. Until the next pool check in about 15 minutes or so, why don't we get everyone back in the pool? Everybody back in the pool! Man, if you could only swim for 15 minutes at a time, would it be worth going to the pool? Only thing I would know wouldn't stop me from eating eight hot dogs. <laughs> the, the debate continues because we've had one person say, no, it's not weird that you ate eight hot dogs. And the last week, Shane was like, were you in a contest? Now, so. when we kick off season five, we are going to have our social media attache on the show. Jenna, she will be the deciding vote. We're going to let it. I'm not going to prep her. We're going to find out what she says live on now, the air. I would imagine she'll be on my side because she's a girl, but we'll see. Okay. I we, mean, we'll see. And nothing against girls can eat, eat hot dogs too. But. Yeah. All right. So we've already heard that no one wanted to be involved in Caddyshack 2. <laughs> Nor did anybody ever want to watch this movie. I did. I loved it as a kid. I love the opening credits. Turn the rest off. But let's hear about the budget and whether it was able to ride the coattails of the first movie to box office success eight years later. <laughs> <laughs> it was a two-term Reagan presidency. Yes. And let us know what was happening at the time of release. Okay, Kevin, I don't know if you remember, probably a long time ago, like 20-some minutes ago, Caddyshack 1 had $4.8 and $60 million it made. This one that came out on the 22nd of July, 1988, had a $20 million budget and only made 11.8, <laughs> which you can sure as hell see why, because people are like, who in the right mindset you go you know what we haven't had a caddy shack in a long time well we're gonna we'll talk about let's this let's go back to the shack we'll talk about this a little bit later in the concession stand portion of the show but yeah eight i don't even know that eight years was the problem as much as like just, those people that were from the original movie have kind of just moved on you know it's eight just years for a sequel is fine if the story's good if the plot if the not movie's this one. good but exactly you can't you can wait eight years if it's good. You cannot wait eight years 
and really something just this dreadful. But see, you called it perfectly. This movie was a straight up parody. It was like you're watching Airplane. Yeah. Airplane 2. Right. It's horrible. Well, we. it's funny because it, in a long roundabout way, so Alan Arkish directed, who mm-hmm. mostly did parody type stuff, but Alan Arkish was a frequent collaborator and friend of Joe Dante. We covered Joe Dante in the was the last deep end. Yes. When we did Gremlins one and two. Yep. Well, we did just Gremlins. We just two. did, yeah. So but Joe we did da- the burbs. Yeah. So Joe Dante made Gremlins two to make fun of Gremlins one. Yeah. So it's so just coincidental that Joe Dante was involved, and then Caddyshack two is almost like let's make fun of the first movie, you know, by making more of a parody rather than a sequel. Now, too bad the Clopex and Clamp weren't in this one because it probably would have made it. I'd love to see the Clopex at the uh, Bushwood. <laughs> they work there because their house blew up. They're making money to get a new house, just like we talked about in the previous Bullcheck best soundtrack songs. Kevin, you might know these guys. Jonathan Chico and Robert DeBarge were indicted on drug trafficking. Now, I mentioned that because the movie The Last Dragon featured DeBarge. Yeah. Oh, my God. To the beat of the rhythm of the night. Yep. Well, they found the rhythm of the night in drug trafficking. They went <laughs> to jail. Stevie Wonder, fan of the show. <laughs> I would hope so. Announces he will run for mayor of Detroit in 1992. Did he run against RoboCop? I don't know who he run against because he decided, I'm not going to do it despite fan support. The singer ended up not following through with his plans to run for office. Sorry to everyone out there who rolls their eyes, but if Detroit gets mentioned on this podcast, <laughs> I'm mentioning RoboCop. <laughs> I don't care. Like, if Detroit comes up, it could be anything about Detroit. I'm bringing up RoboCop. And Beverly Hills Cop. And Beverly Hills Cop. Exactly. So, sorry. And, and once again, we are in a presidential election year of 1988, and we brought him up before. Actually, we brought his wife up before. Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis accepts the Democratic nomination for president. Thanks a lot, Gary Hart, for having sex with some bitch on a boat. Thank you. You ruined it. George, what up? Good evening, everybody. In Arena Bowl (laughs) 2. Cut it off, George. We can't afford George twice on one episode. That's all we could afford him for. On the wall, I have a pennant from the Detroit Drive. They won Arena Bowl 2, beating the Chicago Bruisers. 24 to 13 and Steve Griffin was RoboCop their quarterback RoboCop and this is like Robert John Burke this was straight to DVD Steve Griffin RoboCop won MVP oh yeah cool. good for him Carl Lewis runs a wind assisted 100 meter dash in 9.78 seconds I love that dude I loved Carl dude. Lewis in the you know early 90s even here in 88 because you have to remember it was Carl Lewis and Ben Johnson from yep. Canada we're going back and forth setting a 100 meter world record but then you found out oh Good old BJ injecting a little roidage into his arm. They Those all are. We were only, what, 10, 12 years removed from O Canada becoming the national Which anthem. Which still blows my mind. It, it came around in 1980. It's like the American national anthem was created on this date in 1975 by Lee Greenwood. Should be. <laughs> British Open once again at Royal Lithum in St. Anne. Sevi Ballesteros wins his third open tile by two shots over Zimbabwean. Is it Zimbabwean? Zimbabwe. 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 Nick Price. And here's another great number one song. At this time in 1988, Roll With It by Steve Winwood. Cool. Roll with it, baby. The higher love man himself hit number one with another song. And the number one movie in America at this time, which was a very strange movie, but you watch it now and you're like, boy. The special effects kind of still hold up. Who Framed Roger Rabbit was the number one movie in America. And now, as a kid, 
Doctor Doom scared the shit. Oh out yeah, of it was terrifying stuff. Christopher Lloyd was fucking amazing in that, and for some reason, probably because I was seven at the time, people were like Jessica Rabbit. Oh my god! I'm like, I don't ever understood people's fascinations with animated characters. I, that movie was sending a weird message because it it yeah. doesn't really seem like it's for kids. No, but it's not really an adult movie. But it's like, yeah, people wanted to fuck a uh, cartoon rabbit, and didn't Benny the Cab? They tried to almost kill him with acid or yeah, something like they, that. Yeah. It was it was a strange so one. it's a weird movie but that's all that was going on at this time 1988 so for any of our canadian listeners you know this ignore this for the next minute or so for our american listeners oh canada was originally commissioned by lieutenant governor of quebec theodore robitaille for 1880 saint jean baptiste day ceremony okay so the music was composed words were written and then an english translation was published in 1906 Multiple English versions ensued. Basically, it it's wasn't adopted national- until 1980, but it, it was written in 1880. It's a really great anthem. Yeah. So basically, it says the French lyrics remained unaltered. O Canada served as de facto national anthem since 1939, okay. but didn't become official till 1980, and it was for a holiday ceremony. So. Well, thank you to a Quebecer, Le Québécois, for making that national anthem notable. How about this? Notable is not a word. Thank you for making it notorious. Bring back the Quebec Nordiques. Wait, their national anthem's Notorious by Duran Duran? <laughs> no, no, Notorious! <laughs> I'm going to start a country and make that national anthem. Just so kids in school have to sing, no, no, Notorious. <laughs> How great would that be? That's oh my fantastic. God, that's excellent. All right, let's switch clubs and tee off into the pile of shit plot of Caddyshack Deuce. <laughs> it's literally a deuce. Caddyshack. Caddy tack? I was caddy tacked off, let me tell you. Uh, Kate Hartunian is the daughter of what a wi- name. of widowed real estate developer Jack Hartunian. Kate sucks at first, basically sucks throughout the movie. She's a not a great because actress. Because she befriends an uptight rich girl named Miffy in How? order to climb the social ladder. <laughs> so stereotypical. Miffy convinces Kate and Jack to join Bushwood. Now, when Miffy meets Kate's dad, she's like, Kate, I am so sorry. I had no idea what you were going through at home. What do you mean? Well, I mean your father. My father? He isn't your real father, is he? <laughs> and uh, the members instantly reject Jack's application due to his personality and a clash with Miffy's dad, Chandler. I was looking for a Mr. Hartunian. Hartunian? In this club? Oh, you mean Jack. Oh, here he is. Hello? How do you do? I'm Miffy's father, Chandler Young. Chandler Young. I'm at a disadvantage, I'm afraid. I only have one last name. Quite an interesting last name it is. Hartunian. What is your background? My background? Oh, my father was Armenian. My mother was half Jewish, half English, half Spanish. That's three halves. Oh, she's a big woman. Bushwood's current president. Now, quite honestly, they're kind of denying him because he's Jewish. He, they are. Yeah, okay, that's yeah, why. It's, 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 they're yeah. racist as fuck. Yes, they are. Yeah. Ty Webb is now the current majority owner of Bushwood, but he doesn't really have anything to do with the club's operations. Or anything to want to do with this movie. <laughs> exactly, so it's fitting. Not only do the members of Bushwood reject Jack, but they pull strings to stop his housing developments from being built. What are you talking about? This is not but an old dump. This building is over 70 years old. It's part of our heritage. Heritage? What are you talking about? This is a garage. Can't you see that? <laughs> what do you come from? A long line of mechanics? As revenge, Jack buys Bushwood. Chandler, let me tell you something. There's going to be a lot of new faces in this club. 
I'm going to see to it. I'm going to open up this whole Bushwick Country Club to the general public. And I'm going to make sure that everyone has a taste of the good life. Somewhere in this feud, we get Chandler hiring Captain Tom Everett. I can then assume our friend will be discouraged from any further involvement with Bushwood Country Club. Are we talking discouraged with extreme prejudice? I'm afraid we already tried extreme prejudice. It didn't work. No, no, no. I meant, do you want him terminated? The less I know about that, the better. To intimidate Jack. Dan Aykroyd. Yes, Tom Everett is Dan Aykroyd doing an impression of Bill Murray from the first movie. And he calls him Mr. <laughs> Mrs. Esterhouse. <laughs> now on in future communications, you'll refer to me as uh, Mr. Sanderson. And I will refer to you as um, Mrs. Esterhouse. When Chandler gets his lawyers involved, Ty Webb suggests they handle it on the golf course. It's basically winner take all where if Jack wins, he gets to build the housing and keep Bushwood. If he loses, he'll stop construction and give Bushwood to Chandler. It's a massive, almost miniature golf-esque course. Oh, it's insane. It's he re- builds like a, a full-on theme park. And like I was looking online, most golf courses average is like 150 acres. Yeah. It's a 150 acre crazy funhouse golf thing. After he that's what I don't understand. It's a logic thing. Is like after he's already built all these rides and he converted one of the holes into like a hockey rink with a goalie and stuff. If he loses this match and gives the club back to Chandler, how is Chandler going to undo all this shit? It's a fucking mess. How's he going to get rid of the rides? <laughs> just fucking blow up the course. Just find a different country club. After Jack wins the match, Kate decides to no longer be a bitch and turns her back on Miffy. Although her dad embarrasses her, she makes up with him. Which is easy to do after he won the wager and now controls everything. Everything. I guess technically she does it a little bit before he wins because she pushes Miffy. You want my honest opinion, Kate? I think that your family's really embarrassing. And I'm really happy that I'm not a part of it. Yeah. So am I. What? Miffy, you are a stupid, superficial, snotty little bitch. Down a hill and- Really, Kate? into a cactus which is just there by itself so let's talk about characters jackie mason is jack hartoonian he was plucked off a tony award-winning like one-man show how who how now the envy we don't do the mvp but god robert stack is not chandler young yeah chandler young this is so great so great randy quaid as peter blunt now when rodney dangerfield signed on part of his deal was that this would have been sam kinnison how great would that have been look how great sam kinnison was with rodney in back to school back to school right (laughs) but (laughs) so sam kinnison on a golf course would have been worth the price of admission (laughs) but when dangerfield didn't do it sam kinnison didn't do it not enough cocaine randy quaid great cousin good to see you boys um (laughs) Dan Aykroyd as Captain Tom Everett. Aykroyd, this is weird. Aykroyd based this character specifically off the voice of Oliver North, who we talked about a couple weeks ago. We talked about it Lost Boys last week. Yeah. 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 So Aykroyd won the Razzie for Worst Supporting Actor. It's awful. I don't know what the hell he was doing, and Oliver North never sounded like that. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> you not call anyone Mrs. Esterhouse either, yeah, which is che- so weird. Chevy Chase as Ty Webb. And he has a food truck, too, by the way. Who? Dan Aykroyd in this movie. Oh, yeah. He has a food yeah, truck. I was like, wait, what? And uh, what looks like Detroit. I want to go to the Oliver North food truck. <laughs> That's Frank Welker as the gopher. 
Optimus Prime. Yeah. So let's talk about Caddyshack 2 best scenes. I will go first. Again, you can't have a pool scene and not mention it on the pool scene podcast. Harry the Caddy, which is Jonathan Silverman. He's a lifeguard. He's the interest of Kate. He, you know, they kind of have a thing, although she's like, this kid's the Danny Noonan of this. She's like partnered up with the lawyer of Chandler. I don't understand. This is like a logic. This movie is so racist. Jonathan Silverman's character, Harry, just turns off the wheel, the water on the water slide. Kate, Miffy, watch this. So as the rival lawyer goes down the side, he burns his ass going down the and slide. And you just see smoke. Yeah. It basically reminds me of Police Academy 5. Yes. When Proctor goes, whatever, wakeboarding or uh, boat ski. What do they call it? Oh, uh, no. He was, uh, water, no, he was water skiing. Well, water skiing, but it, it, the water rips the ass out of his shorts. Just his ass cheeks. Yeah. And then he's, he doesn't know because you wouldn't, would you? This place, technically Bushwood, when they make it crazy, is kind of like Action Park. Based sort of, yeah. It's fucking nuts. Yeah, it's like we're just going to build a haggard theme park on a golf course. <laughs> Pretty much. No rules, no Hopefully nothing. No one dies, though, like Action Park. Oh, my God. It's crazy how many people got fucked up and died at Action Park. And you know, probably a lot of people got fucked up and died at Bushwood Country Club. Mm-hmm. Slash golf course, slash water park, slash mini golf, slash apartments. Wait, so when once he puts all this stuff, do you still have to be a member? I would fucking hope not, because <laughs> I got to play a membership to this. There's only 100 people that are allowed here, so we built all these rides. And remember, he wants to build, like, a fort, like, Project like a project 8 housing. Yes, basically. Like, around right, the place. Right, so It's like, oh, my God. This movie is so fucking bad. Okay, so my favorite scene is the opening credit scene, and that's all I got. <laughs> that's it? No, I'm joking. Oh. I love the opening credit scene, because Kenny Loggins returns yeah. in a great song, Nobody's Fool. Yep. Which don't confuse it with the Cinderella song because it's polar opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny if they would have played Nobody's Fool? Cinderella's Nobody's Fool. Everybody felt like a goddamn fool paying to watch this movie. This song, I love this song. And it's just Jonathan Silverman basically running from one end of the golf course yeah. to the other. To get Miffy a diet Dr. Pepper, I think. She it takes a sip and drops it. Yeah. What a real bitch. First of all, Miffy, how late 80s typical yeah. yuppie bitch name that is. But the Kenny Loggins song. I think, and I'm in a minority here, I like this better than I'm All Right. It's good. It's a really, like, The video really is great. I think I'm All Right just got, like... Overplayed? Yeah, very much This so. is very underestimated. Uh, my next best scene is one that kind of grosses me out. Okay, uh, right. It's the horse jumping scene. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. So Chandler tells Jack that his horse has a gas problem, and Jack says, it's not the horse. <laughs> Basically, the scene ends. They, they go jump for jump. Chandler gets thrown off his horse and does a shooting star press into the mud. Pretty much. So when he gets thrown off the horse, he does like a full flip and lands on his face. My next one, very underrated. And I would have to say near the top of MVP, not Robert Stack. Marsha Warfield's in this movie. Yeah. She plays Jack's like number one. Yes. His Commander She's Riker. the foreman of the construction site. When she fucking just, there it is high rise and Jack's dressed at nines, got his, you know, his hat on and Marshall Warfield is just fucking with these rich people because yeah. they want to protect Jack from bulldozing what looks to be 15 planks of wood that was an old historical garage on a historical site. Yeah. He wants to bulldoze it for 
low-income housing. Mm-hmm. And she just fucks with them. Hey, Jack, let me ask you a question. How much you pay for these people? $11,900. Well, you got burned. That old broad can't carry lumber for shit. It's funny because there is what they call a slave auction. Yeah. And it's it's the guy, it's the Alan Arkish regular, the teacher from Rock and Roll High School. Yes. And so there's a slave auction. Jack wins every single auction. Who has so graciously purchased all of our society slaves tonight for a grand total of eleven thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars. And he the Chandler says, Well, what do you, I hope you have enough work for us. What are you gonna do? Jack sends all these rich people who are all in their like fancy clothes. He sends them to the construction Construction site site. and it ends with Chandler's wife gets knocked off the top of the uh, construction site. Like a Rube Goldberg. Yeah. Falls into a a dump truck. That's like carrying cement or something. And she just gets like driven. And then Marsha Warfield. Hey, you didn't clock out. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Uh, That's the best. That was really good. And then the last one I have is when, so we get Ty Webb doing a no, 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 no again. And but he's trying to teach. Jack, you're not being the ball. Be the ball. No, 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 no. He can't do the quick. No, 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 no. Yeah, I just it's it's but so Jackie Mason, Jackie Mason, Jack Artunian, all of his golf equipment is a scene in itself because he doesn't just golf with clubs. He has like clubs with like a laser. Doesn't that take some of the sport out of it? Not at all. A lot of things could go wrong. Your batteries could go low. They could get static. Anything could happen. You know, sometimes the signal interferes with a pacemaker. Laser guided. Yeah, he has like all these like stuff that explodes and it's just. It, it's too much. It's Looney Tunes. Yeah, it, it basically is Looney Tunes. Which tells you it's that Alan Arkish, Joe Dante thing again that makes it a cartoon. And then my last one would just be Randy Quaid going completely Randy Quaid. Uh, which one of you is Chandler Young's son? I am. Well, you've certainly made it very clear how your legal system works, Mr. Young. Now I'd like to explain a little bit about the Peter Blunt system. You see, uh, <clears throat> I don't go in for lawsuits and motions or any of that legal stuff. <laughs> no, no. See, see what happens is uh, I find out where you live, and then I come to your house, see, and I beat down your door with a fucking baseball bat. And then I'm gonna make a bonfire with the Chippendale, maybe roast that golden retriever, then hit, and then I'm coming upstairs, Junior, and I'm gonna grab you by your Brooks Brothers PJs, and then I'm gonna take your brand new BMW and cram it up your tight ass! Do we have an understanding? It's Randy Quaid going over the top, and- Golf, sounds like something you got <laughs> stuck in your throat. <laughs> But imagine that have been Sam Kinison, though. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. Him just yelling at their asses. Ah! <laughs> yeah, it would have been good. That's all I got. All right. Let's let's uh, let's get everyone out of the pool again. Get out of the pool. Back to the shack. <laughs> Our second pool check this week, because it's a golf movie, and we've talked about some of these people. Best fictional 
athletes. Oh, there's some good ones. I should say favorite fictional athletes because best, it's, uh, you know, yeah. you'd have to base it on accomplishments, you know, people who actually win trophies and stuff. But yeah, best fictional athletes. I'll, I'll go first on this yes. one also. My number five. Sanka Coffee from Cool Runnings. He's the best push, push cart driver in all of Jamaica. Yeah, and then he doesn't get to be the driver when John Candy is their coach <sighs> at the Olympics of the bobsled team. This is right near the end of John Candy's life. I love this Disney movie. It's you could, so good. You could have picked any of the characters, like Doris, who's the driver. You could have picked Yul Brenner. Yul Brenner. You just couldn't have picked that rich kid. I can't remember his name. Junior yeah, Bevel. Yeah, Junior, who cost Yul Brenner his uh, spot. Yeah, that weird voice, something like this. Yes. My number five. And we covered this movie. I think it was either in season two or three. They're all blending together. I have his jersey on the corner of the studio. Star quarterback Johnny Moxon yeah. from Varsity Blues. The QB2 that became QB1 and the, the savior of West Canaan football overthrew Bud Kilmer and became the man who pretty much told the story from the future. A, yeah, he became a time traveler. <laughs> he did, pretty much. He went to Brown where he learned time travel. And Kilmer never coached again. My number four, Neon Boudreaux uh, from yes. Blue Chips. Blue Chips is one of they the best sports movies. They find him in New Orleans. The, the New Orleans, but they film it like it's the jungle. Pretty much. They pretty much drive through the jungle to find this guy playing on non-regulation hoops in the middle of this like dark building. It's Shaq. As Neon Boudreaux. Hey, man. How's it going? And they convince him to play college basketball. And Nick Nolte's wife, Mary McConnell, who has always had, I've had a crush on, teaches him. Yeah. And he got a 570 on his SAT. <laughs> Wait, don't you get a 570 from just writing your goddamn name? Yeah. A lot of good ones in this. You have Butch McRae, Penny Hardaway. You have yeah, Calbert Chaney in that yeah, movie. Yeah, Chaney. You have Bobby Hurley's in there. Bobby Hurley playing for Indiana. Yeah, which it was is so, weird. so strange. At the time, I remember, like, why is he playing yeah. for Indiana? Right. Makes so, no but sense. Neil Boudreaux somehow, despite being unrecruited, is the best basketball player in the country. And then the weird thing, the way that movie ends is he, him and Butch McRae play for the magic. Mm -hmm. So it's like <laughs> Shaq and Penny, but Butch, Butch and, and Neon. Neon. So strange. Makes no sense. So my number four, in honor of our last run, Kevin, as the Cleveland Indians, you can't think of the Cleveland Indians without thinking of the movie Major League. And our pitcher, our man, Wild Thing, Ricky Vaughn. He's my number one. Oh, Ricky yeah. Vaughn. He's, he's an icon in Cleveland. California sure. Penal League, man. Even though he's fictional, he is somehow up there with the pantheon of Cleveland athletes. And the amazing thing about Ricky Vaughn, because once again, we're dealing with a sequel here. Major League Two, which was not the great of a movie, but at least it was associated yeah. with the first movie. Unlike the third one. Right, the third one, Back to the Miners. Randy Quaid's in the second movie, just like he was in this second movie. Yeah. When he goes on that diatribe, when Ricky becomes like the rich, wild, wild thing. thing, you make my butt sting. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And he's like, it's him. But man, when they queue up Wild Thing in Jacob's Field, I'll always call it the Jake. Yeah. Awesome. Number three, I don't know if we'll ever cover this movie, but I always had a lot of questions. Shane Falco replacement. Oh, excellent. So he was an Ohio State quarterback. As he was in Point Break. Yes, he was Johnny Utah, Utah. in Point Break, also an Ohio State quarterback. But he's an Ohio State quarterback. Footsteps Falco. So because of the bowl game, he doesn't get drafted weird stretch they made it sound like he had an amazing college career fucked up in the bowl game and it screwed him 
Yeah, so he gets to stay on as quarterback at the end of this movie. They're scab football players because the league goes on strike. They bring in other players. The replacements. Yeah, the replacements, exactly. Falco has to have a career after the end of this movie, right? Has to. Because he... He saved them and got them into the playoffs. He's awesome. But the thing that doesn't make sense is they start crossing the picket line. Martell becomes quarterback again. He's sucking ass. Hackman almost beats shit out of my locker room. Here comes Shane out of nowhere and just takes the field. Don't yeah. you think there's rules? He's not even there. That? No, he's not, he just he's comes, on his houseboat. Yeah, and he comes there at halftime and he gives the pain heels, chick stick scars, <laughs> glory lasts forever. That's Some, the best. Yeah. So my number three also involves a football player, but I don't know if we'll ever cover this movie. It'll be a good one to do it. It's from the movie The Best of Times. Oh wow, Robin Williams. Kurt Russell plays a guy called Reno Hightower, yep. the man who led Little Taft High School to almost glory before Robin Williams drops the goddamn ball. 13 years later, they decide to replay the game all out of shape. Yeah. Reno leads the the Taft Rockets to beat Bakersfield when Robin Williams catches a damn ball. Yep. Such a great movie. Not about that one. Yeah, it's a great one. My number two, and I actually will pull an audible since you picked my number one, which was Rick Vaughn, so... I'll say my number two, and then when it gets back to me, I'll pick my number one. My number two, also from Major League, Jake Taylor. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, it's the ultimate underdog story. Jake's got... He's got shot knees. Yeah. He, you he know, he was in the Mexican leagues. Yeah. And he, there's the whole great scene where he follows his uh, ex-wife, ex-girlfriend Rene Russo. to her apartment. And they said, hey, Jake, I heard baseball players make a lot of money. And he says, well, I guess it depends on how good you are. And she said, well, how good are you? I make the league league minimal. (laughs) A great line. That movie's so excellently written. But the great thing about Jake Taylor, and you get like chills thinking about it, Mm -hmm. calls a shot and bunts. Like Babe Ruth in the 32 World Series. But he didn't bunt. No. Babe Ruth didn't. Yeah. But Jake Taylor, even though with the bum knees, he's got to run it out to first. uh, Suicide. It's a... It's the slow motion. It's the the third baseman. I think it's the third baseman who comes in to get the bunt. Shit. Shit. Yeah. And it's, and Jake runs it out. Hayes scores. So fantastic. But it's not just that. Like we talked about movie soundtracks, major league, that rallying song. That's just an instrumental is great. But when he scores and they win the pennant, when you hear woke up one day, you associate that with Cleveland. Such a great movie. My number two screw Jones from rad. Yeah. Segway in next season where we will be covering Rad, the amazing 1986 BMX movie. Crew Jones, small town kid, great at BMXing. There's a big event. You need certain money. Hell he, track. Hell track, man. The local boy ends up making good, gets the funding, and he ends up winning Hell track. Spoiler. So my number, my replacement number one. Number one. It's Paul Blake from Necessary Roughness. Oh, Scott, excellent. Scott Bakula. Hector Elizondo. Who, and Hector Elizondo. <laughs> Scott Bakula, who is a, I think he's. He's 34. 34. Looks 54. And he was like the best football player anybody had ever seen. He leaped into a football player. He, he leaped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and But he stopped playing football to help out on his dad's farm. Mm-hmm. But he still has eligibility left. And for a, a football team that's never won a game or hasn't won a game. And they lost every, they were basically the SMU. Yes. And then uh, him and Sinbad basically, and Manu Manu Slender, Slender and Kathy Ireland, Jason Bateman, turn it around. They get some wins. They get a tie. And then they have to face off their, uh, the number one Texas Colts. Yeah. Texas Colts and their Texas state. Yeah. Great, great movie. He finds uh, Jason Bateman in the end zone at the end of the movie. <laughs> Such a great movie. 
my number one. Number one. My name is Willie. Willie Beeman. Yep. I keep the ladies creaming. It's fucking Jamie Foxx yep. in Any Given Sunday. Oliver Willie Stone's Beeman. movie. Really, really crazy. There's a super long cut of that movie. Or Jamie Foxx is, he became Ray Charles. He's still Ray Charles yeah. to this day. But, oh, gotta love Willie Beeman. Yeah, that's a, a great, great character arc. Great movie, very accurate, you know, into the locker room stuff. They got a ton of feedback. I, I, like, read this whole big, long thing about how they got that movie so accurate, like how Oliver Stone did it. Love Stone. Let's get into some honorable mentions. Uh, Dottie Hinson, A League of Their Own. Mm-hmm. Billy Hoyle and Sidney Dean from White Men Can't Jump. Billy! You could even say... The Stookies? The King and the Duck. That's right. Uh, Rocky Balboa? Ivan Drago. Forrest Gump? Always forget about Forrest Gump playing in Alabama. Happy Gilmore, Shooter McGavin. Roy Munson from Kingpin. Uh, Roy McAvoy. Yep, from Tin Cup, Tin which Cup. we covered. Air Bud. <laughs> Fucking dog. <laughs> Jim disputes this one, but Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, I don't, I don't, because he knows karate. Yeah, he's a fucking karate So are we master. telling Barry Wary from Sidekicks? Sure. All right, let's fucking do that. John Lawrence from uh, Cobra Kai. Ricky Bobby. Yeah, that's right. Crash Davis. They're pretty much any Kevin Costner character in any uh, movie. Another pool scene podcast movie uh, we have covered, Stallone and Driven as Joe Tanto. Yeah. And Bo Brandenburg and the watch guy that Kevin loved. <laughs> <laughs> Who is I remember this dude. Uh, Gordon Bombay. Yeah, that's right. Scott Howard. Yeah. Benny the Jet Rodriguez. That's right. Yeah. So there's there's a ton from like Mighty Ducks, like Banks, who is like the most like serviceable hockey player. Gunner Stahl. Gunner Stahl from Team Iceland. Sounds like Dracula. Gordon the Captain Duck. All right. Let's, uh, let's get back in the pool and we'll stay there for the remainder of the podcast. Let's go, everybody. Back in the pool. Dookie. <laughs> All right, this is the concession stand. Attention swimmers, join us poolside. Grab a hot dog, kick back. It's time for the concession stand. I'm going to have to change that bump to eight hot dogs. <laughs> so basically concession stand is where we clean up any business about this podcast. So logic issues, character questions, things like that. So yes. just got a bunch, Jim. If you think of any, just chime in. So first, is Caddyshack 2 better than you remember? Oh, no. I, I never thought uh, Caddyshack was manageable. If we're looking back at all the I would watch it over grind 350 yeah. other times. So when I was a kid, Caddyshack 2 was on TV a lot. It was on all the, it was on like channel 43 and on weekdays. I remember weekdays. always being shocked that it was from 1988 because it just felt more like 92 or something. Yeah. No, it's not better than I remember because I watched it in, in anticipation of this podcast and it, it's worse than I remember. <laughs> it's horrible. Caddyshack 2 doesn't even have a Caddyshack. Yeah. They literally don't show the, the tagline of the movie is back to the shack. I'm going to put it right on the line. There have been a lot of complaints already. Fooling around on the course, bad language, smoking grass, poor caddying. So if you guys want to get fired, if you want to be replaced by golf carts, just keep it up. There's no shack they go back I, to. Exactly, right there. Better pool scene, Caddyshack 1 or 2. Oh, pff, really? 1? Yeah, 1 by far. is great because you have the, uh, got a bunch going on. I can't remember real quickly. Did we got, did we get some nudity in 1? I just want you to know that, you know, because of this, you don't have to stop seeing other people. <laughs> Was it possible for a Caddyshack sequel to be good? Like, 
Was there a script that could have been written that would have been better than Caddyshack 2? Now, this would have been better if it all fell in place with Rodney and Sam Kinison. But like I said, we're getting towards the late 80s. Rodney Dangerfield kind of hit his peak in 86. Same with Sam Kinison. I don't know if you should go back to the wheelhouse. I mean, regard like if it was made two years later or 10 years later, even if the full cast, like I don't care if the full cast returned. I yeah. just don't know what script would have been. I don't know. What like, it can you imagine Carl eight years later? You know, he's going to... No. No, I, no. I just think there wasn't really a story to tell that would have been any better. That's, no. That's, it just shouldn't have been touched. Yeah, I agree. There's something I can't shake about Robert Stack being such a good sport that he takes a giant wedgie in the second movie. Can I give you a little, little friendly advice? Yeah. Have you ever tried putting with a wedgie? A wedgie? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's great. It's great. All the pros are doing it. Would you Would you like me to show you? Yeah. Oh. See, what you do is you just take your normal stance like you're going to putt the ball. Yeah, just like that. You never you never putted with a wedgie? No. Uh-huh. You just take your stance and then this is oh. a wedgie. Oh. <laughs> Try putting with that crammed up your crack. <laughs> it's beyond phenomenal. Yeah. But Robert Stack has seemed like that guy, like he was in basketball. Robert yeah. Stack. Scenario number one. He's hanging by his neck in his fucking closet. Great, dude. Unsolved Mysteries was such a great show growing up as kids. We didn't understand half of the shit they talked about, but Robert Stack was such a trooper. Yeah. He would cater to what people wanted. And that's what I found amazing about his character, Chandler Young, a.k.a. Mrs. Astrohouse. Who's the best golfer in this universe? In this universe? So we're talking about Bushwood Country Club? Yeah, just anybody in either movie. It's Ty. That's what I think. Ty Webb. When you watch him putt. No, 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 no. Yeah, and he just, he hits him from all directions and stuff. Well, that's because he went putting at night. And then he, he does, I don't remember what he says, but he, the path of a straight line or something. Yeah. And he hits the ball over the other ball. Yeah. Into the hole. It's great. One physical model of the universe, the shortest distance between two points, it's a straight line in the opposite direction, Danny. <clears throat> Unbelievable. Thank you very little. Because um, Mitch Cumstein taught him. At the end of Caddyshack 2, the Gover wants to fuck a dog. <laughs> I know. I mean, like... Optimus Prime. Yes. Wanted to fuck a dog. That's... They went from the first movie just being... Gopher. Sort of, like... Like, the movie Old School was probably heavily influenced by Caddyshack. Yeah. And then the second movie, a gopher... An animatronic gopher wants to fuck a dog. I think they saw money signs and like, hey, we could really... Because you have to remember in the first movie, they didn't market the gopher as, you know, merch. Yeah. So this was literally a merch thing. Like, hey, look at what Teddy Ruxpin's doing. Let's make this fucking gopher talk and make him sexual. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so this is going to make me not sound very punk rock. But are we sure that Jack's the good guy? Like, he takes a historical country club, which say what you will about country clubs, but he takes a historical country club that just, whatever, let them be rich, let them do their thing, and he fucking destroys it. See, this is what I'm thinking. We're talking late 80s. You know, this is coming off the movie Wall Street, which, you know, greed is good. It's Reaganomics, trickle down. So what this guy did, Jack Hartoonian, and this is weird that I am really analyzing a character that is not great whatsoever. You have a guy that benefited from the trickle down and he's basically jamming it up the rich people's ass and like listen these people whose money you're taking are the ones that built this country and this town so i'm gonna take this country club away from you and they're gonna live here yeah that's basically what he's doing yeah and it's the whole 
You don't realize how racist this fucking oh, movie yeah. is. It's beyond racist. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. It's weird. The uh, first one just had weed, drugs, and golf. This one has racism and all this other shit. Yeah. No. And then in, in 33 years, how is it possible that we never got another sequel, a reboot, a remake, a series, any more Caddyshack. You would have thought like after like Happy Gilmore. Yeah. There had to have been talks like, hey, let's reboot Caddyshack. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole theory that we mentioned earlier. You get Armageddon, you get Deep Impact, you get Volcano, you get Dante's Peak. Yeah. Twister, you get Night of Twister. <laughs> <Don't> fuck you. <laughs> you get, uh, so but all these movies came in twos. Why? So when Happy Gilmore came out, big success of a golf movie, they could have literally just threw anything at the time, threw their uh, dart at the wall. And came up with something for Caddyshack. But good thing they didn't go the Terminator route with Caddyshack. Because they could have went down that route. And they made five movies ago. You know what? We're ignoring three, four, and five. And we're going back to the sequel after two. Like Meatballs no. 4. That we, we tried to watch. Ten minutes of. Oh, my God. Corey, Corey Feldman. Smale's dead by the second one. Ted Knight. Ugh. Because it's eight years later. And now you've got Chandler Young is the uh, has taken over as the president of the country club and stuff. And so after Jack wins, I imagine he's just he this country club's ruined forever. And it's just a theme park now. All those old dudes just leave. I don't see why. Well, why what, wouldn't they just go? Like I said, go to another country club. And you know, with Caddyshack three, it would have been like Empire Strikes Back. It would have been like, listen, we're going back in there. We're taking all this shit back. And it should have been, if they wanted to make a Caddyshack 3, they should have had the rich people win. Yeah. Like, take it back. Led by Judge Smales. Why not? Bring it all back together. But if we go by 80s age logic, Judge Smales in 1980 probably was 38. Look damn near <laughs> 88. So who knows? Yeah. Th maybe that's, that's a... How would you make Caddyshack 3? Maybe I would do like what you just suggested. Like, the old people win. They keep their traditional country club. Say if Ty just becomes jaded. He's like, I'm yeah. done. look what my dad built. Not yeah. even like enough's enough. Yeah. So they leave and they start their own action park. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the big. And then maybe they do like the action park versus Bushwood. What if they finally get all this money and get all these votes? Because it's all political. All of Hartoonian Section 8 housing say like acres of it, say 200 acres. They bulldoze it. They rebuild a new Bushwood next to the Jack Hartoonian yeah. Bushwood to the point they have some sort of big golf tournament. Yeah. And winner takes all. And yes. they actually win in the end. Yeah. Why not? Do something different. You could, you could make like an amalgamation of one and two. Yeah. That would have been, I mean, a lot of the first one's so good just because of like the cocaine. Yeah. It's the, really good. The improvising. And Maggie. just the, the, and the, comedy of the characters the one-liners and stuff and the second one lost all of that oh now take it easy jack you just relax the important thing is just be yourself and of course lose the accent what accent you know, they didn't seem to understand that this movie, the weight of this movie rests on the characters' backs. And I, I don't even know what the second one was trying to accomplish. Like you said, it's just a cash grab because there's no story being told other than like this country club is racist. Big time. Also want to give a big shout out to the first Caddyshack movie where Danny Noonan has this rivalry with Denunzio, yeah. the Italian guy who's, you know, the rebel. He smokes all the time. He, you know, sun's out, guns out. Hey, wait a minute. That's only 50 cents. 
Yeah, Lou raised the price of Coke. He's been losing it to track. <laughs> well, I ain't paying no 50 cents for no Coke. <laughs> you ain't getting no Coke. Know what I'm talking about? You had it. Come on, open up this door. Open up this door. Budget jerk. For some reason, though, Denunzio and his little brother, who also works with him at, at Bushwood, wants to look at Danny have sex with Maggie yeah. to the point that it looks like they're on a trampoline trying to watch him bang. Yeah. So I always find that weird. Shout out to Denunzio. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Stick around for some plugs. Hey, you guys are brothers, huh? Yeah. Yeah, what is this, a family business or what? You know, they say for Italians, this is skilled labor, you know that? No, actually, I'm a rich millionaire. You see, my doctor told me to get out and carry golf bags a couple of times a week. Uh, hey, you're a funny kid, you know? Yeah, what time you do back in Boys Town? <laughs> Once again, Pool Sceners, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also, at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at PoolScenePodcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas. We have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us, and now back to Kevin. Graphically, I'll mention um, the landing strip's been growing for 10 weeks. <laughs> we are at full bush. Full bushwood. Yes. Um, th- yeah, this is the last landing strip of the season. season we hope you four. enjoyed season four and everything that we went through, everything we gave to you. I sound like Jimmy Valiant. <laughs> And I'm going to take back everything that I gave to you. We're all spent. We're laying on the edge of the bed, all naked and flaccid and yes. smoking a cigarette. So um, it doesn't have to be the end. No. Because starting immediately after this podcast, so whenever it's released, we're going to do a new feature, which is where we do a recap of the season. Now, we've always wanted to do something like this. I, I don't know if it's laziness or just... we had Basically, to, we probably just forgot. Let's yeah, be honest. Yes, or we had to refine the uh, what we actually wanted to do. But through Rock of Ages, Captain Ron, The Burbs, Strange Days, Saved by the Bell, Airheads, Nickelodeon Guts, The Happening, Rock and Roll High School, Beverly Hills Cop 3, and The Lost Boys... And this episode, Caddyshack and Caddyshack 2, we gave you our season four episodes. And then what we're going to do is go through and kind of recap our favorite moments, the best logic. During the after hours. During the after hours. So after hour special, something to look forward to. Moving forward after season five, we'll do one. After season six, after season 69, we'll do one where we recap. That's where we'll end the show. It doesn't get better than 69. Yeah, so we will, uh, we will recap everything that that went on and and just to dive back in a little bit maybe some corrections and then Uh, as we're going into season number five we will also hit our one year anniversary of the podcast so that'll be an amazing event that we'll probably have something big planned for yeah let's do that stick around like i said listen to the upcoming recap after hours episode and then season five so we are gonna get rad at the start of season five. Until next season, Silencia. Bye.